Clinician Insider is a bi-monthly series centering conversations within the clinical community that promote personal and professional growth. On this episode, Drs. D.D. Wong and Jacqueline Saw discuss using social media as a resource and knowing when to detach. So we know each other now for, gosh, three years? I think Pretty so. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Okay. So, you know, since that time anyways, we've been very much involved with social media. Yeah. Right? And actually, since we've actually gone back and looked at our phones, I've been, I started joining Twitter in 2009. And you joined about two or three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, um, what has your experience been like on social media? Well, um, I think social media has a total role in dissemination of knowledge. And I think it's really good because as women in cardiology and both of us being the structural and transcatheter world, there's a nice way of uh, giving fellows and trainees an option to see, okay, here's how you can do it, and here's what's important, and you can get mentorship out of that. I think that's a big, big benefit. But what would you say would be the kind of the cons that you've gotten from social media? What are the cons? Like yeah. what are some of the downsides? Well, it's interesting. I think, you know, on a whole, um, I think there is actually more advantages than disadvantages with social media. I mean, as you mentioned, it's a great teaching tool. And, um, and I think, especially for more weird and wonderful diseases or conditions, such as spontaneous coronary artery dissection, you know, SCAD. Um, so I think as a, as a teaching tool, for instance, I've posted um, lots of different coronary angiogram pictures of very subtle findings of SCAD. And I think people find it useful because, number one, they didn't even identify that as SCAD and uh, to have sort of an expert telling them, well, this is what SCAD is and so forth. I think, I think there's definite advantages and advantages of that. Um, but what are some of the disadvantages? Oh my gosh. Um, there are several for sure because obviously a lot of, um, a lot of the comments that come up, they're not censored, right? Yeah. Um, so what are some, what, are, what, what, what is the validity of these comments? and? A lot of them are not literature driven, a lot of them are sort of personal comments. Um, so, and uh, readers out there uh, who are not experts in the field may not know what is right information or wrong information. So, so that is one of the downsides for sure. And um, I think certainly sharing very detailed information about patients that, that can have some legal implications as well. Um, and so I, th I think we all have to be very, very cautious. Absolutely. About, I mean, what do you think? What, what do you think are the downsides of social media? I think you're absolutely right. Um, for us, we have an institutional policy about social media use and making sure we're HIPAA compliant. So we always have institutional guidance for that. Um, but the other con about it is it's a time sink. You know, you're probably true. better off writing a manuscript than doing Twitter <laughs> or doing Absolutely any other social true. media. I mean, yeah. once you have the manuscript, you can use social media to kind of elevate the manuscript or something like that. But yeah. for a new trainee, I think the cons is don't get sucked into it because it will definitely become addictive and eat your time away. Absolutely. You know an hour is lost anytime soon. I think yeah. the other con about it is, like you said, the comment section might not always be academic. And it might become personal, and at that point yeah. in time, just mute it, turn the phone off, and move on. Yeah. But I think yeah. detoxing from social media is also a difficult issue, too. <laughs> it's, right. you know, especially since you're so prolific on social media, as, as I am, that when we go to meetings, it kind of becomes a job in its own to not only disseminate yes. knowledge, but disseminate knowledge that we've kind of taken in, yes. and then how we want to portray it as we translate it out to the audience. Yeah, that's right. I think it's, it's all a, a matter of balance as well. I mean. I think, you know, going back to some of the advantages, 
um, I, I really do appreciate some of the experts. You know, like once in a while you see Greg Stone say posting um, summaries of uh, news studies that are being published, which I, th I think is extremely useful because um, he's actually transmitting his knowledge um, and uh, summarizing the key succinct points of the studies, right? So, you know, if you're a student and you're sort of limited in time and, and so browsing through some of these comments from experts is very useful because like, ah, okay, this alluded to me to, oh, I should, I should look at the study in, in more detail, right? So I think th there are those advantages for sure, but I think you're right because a lot of us do post um, comments about uh, about conferences and what are the highlights. And sometimes you're right because you end up taking time away from yourself focusing on the rest yeah. of the talks for instance yeah. right yeah. so so you got to be very you know um, conscious about not uh, dumping too much of your time on that for sure that's actually <laughs> a great point because one thing that you've been doing i noticed is that um, we know that you are the expert at SCAD, spontaneous coronary artery dissection, and you are the expert at basically left atrial appendage closure with CT and transcatheter interventions, PFOASD, and you kind of built your Twitter profile on that. And the things that you post are pretty much three topics. is spontaneous coronary artery dissection, how do we actually do LAA closures, how do LAA complications and avert them. Um, how would you recommend for somebody who's early career or starting out thinking about Twitter? How should they build themselves? Because you've done this and now you're seen as an expert. I see a lot of uh, uh, late career faculty always tagging you and saying, okay, if you want somebody who has an expert in SCAD, Dr. Jackie Saw is going to be the person I'm going to go to. This one, Dr. Jackie Saw. So how should early career people follow your first steps and do that? Yeah, you know, that's a very good point. Um, I'm sort of a different generation from a lot of the early career folks and I think you know they have um, they utilize uh, social media I think way more rampant than yeah. I, that I do for sure yeah. and um, and I think they utilize in a very different manner right um, and a lot of them use it as um, posing questions yes so so a lot of earlier career folks would you know post an exam a case example which is a medical dilemma right be it from structural world or coronary world and they're asking for opinions um, uh, from different experts. Um, so that's one good way of going forward. Or, you know, as I've alluded to earlier too, is, you know, highlighting what is important to you because, you know, each area career person has their own uh, interests yep. in this particular area, in particular subspecialties. And so if you know a lot about it, well, tweet about it, right? That's how you sort of get yourself known. And, and you can always post interesting uh, case questions and uh, roll up some interest. And uh, once you get more likes, you're going to get more followers, and your 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 output has more more um, I guess more um, impact, I should say. Um, so that that's one way of doing that. I mean, what 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 are your thoughts about that? I mean, how earlier you, you you have a lot of fellows that you work with and residents that you work with. So what do you tell them about how the social media helped them in terms of their career? Uh, I think the most important thing that we tell our fellows is that. Be careful what you post because yes. it is never really deleted. And you, your employers now in this generation are all going to be looking at all your social media posts and see what is this person like? Is this okay? So also make sure that you are also aware you are a hospital employee. So we have institutional policies and they should follow that. And then whether they like it or not, they're representing our fellowship program. And so they have to understand that this is what our fellowship stands for and how we are for HIPAA compliance. But I think for um, growing their career, we try to tell them it's good to be present so you can follow. It's easy access to your mentors and mentorship, people mm -hmm. that you adore and look up to, but it doesn't supersede a manuscript. Yes. And absolutely. that a career yeah. in academics is still a manuscript first. <laughs> absolutely. 
social media after that. That's right. That's right. And uh, and then I also find one of the downsides of social media is people sort of mixing the personal life yes. with the um, with a career. What are your um, thoughts about that? So so I I actually separate you know these different social media. So Twitter is all about professional. Okay, so I tweet about uh, conferences, etc., a lot of medical issues, but I don't tweet about my personal life generally. And uh, but if I'm on Facebook, this old generation. <laughs> I know we're not supposed to do Facebook anymore, but I'm still on Facebook. And but Facebook and uh, what's the other one? Um, the web, no web. Snapchat, uh, not TikTok, Snapchat. Oh Instagram. My gosh, I'm not Instagram. Instagram. There we go. Sure. Not not. Snapchat. I think okay. I'm too old for Snapchat. <laughs> I'm not but on it. Instagram, I'm not Instagram. So Instagram and Facebook are the ones that I post my personal stuff. So my friends. So I'm very careful. You're on selected. Instagram? Yes, I am. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, does that surprise you? Yeah, what no. You? I'm not on Instagram. I'm just like you're cooler than me. <laughs> so, so I find. So what I do is I'm very selective on who's on. Who are my friends on Instagram and Facebook? So I'm, you know, like, like I think I have like less than 200 followers on Facebook because I'm very selective. I don't, like, I make sure I don't befriend my patients on Facebook. And so those are the ones I, I just, you know, post silly things, right? Family stuff, yeah, good pictures and all that. And that's just for friends. But for Twitter, where I have about I don't know 2,000 followers, then it's all about professional stuff. I try to be, you know, keep that separate. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you do it? I think that's a very good point. Um, you can have any kind of followers. It could be a patient, or it could be a trainee, or it could be a fellow colleague, and you yeah. just don't know who, or it just could be somebody who, none of those categories. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I try to keep, my Twitter is, I think, more for professional, for yeah. trainees, right. education, and um, dissemination of new structural and original knowledge. I think that's yeah. why I keep that as the main core for it. Yeah. Um, if I use LinkedIn, it's purely for manuscripts. Mm. Meetings, professional. I think that's what the right. point of that is for. Uh, yeah. I'm not that kind of an open, personal person, yeah. so I yeah. think I keep that in the background. But it's more important for me to make sure that since interventional imaging is so new, we have an outlet so people can get, get access to the information yes. sooner yes. than waiting for an in-print article. Yeah. No, I mean, I really appreciate you know the tweets that you posted with various examples of challenging cases and examples of echo images and CT images of, of, of interesting cases and Burkhart. Um, uh, as well is uh, one of those Matt's and he, he posts really neat um, 3DT images of examples of you know um, weird and wonderful sort of uh, valvular issues right and I think people learn from that so 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 kudos to you for you know taking wow. the time to do that as a, as a teaching media for our fellows and residents and for our colleagues right who are not quite as, as attuned to these various images that you are well with all your work with Jack interventions as an associate editor that's a lot of time too so you're committing this to social media one of the things is that uh, to credit actor Roxana Moran the women as one creation and oh, we she both fantastic job I know we both fall in that category that. too how do you think we should tell the next generation of female physicians and cardiology trainees about women as one and social media yeah, that's a good point, and uh, we should definitely utilize that platform to, yeah. um, to promote a woman as one, um, you know, organization. And uh, I think um, what we what we've seen so far is a, there are a lot of women uh, cardiologists on social media, and uh, and they've been very very encouraging of each other, right? Right. Um, you know, I, I love photos uh, where you know these cardiologists have taken a women all women on panel, for yes, instance, yes. and. And when you have mantles, you know how you know 
there's some backlash, and it's interesting to see those type of response. And um, but uh, you know, I, I think it, it is a great format that the women in cardiology can um, support each other in in the social media platform. And the women as one is clearly one of them. And it's also a, it's also a form where people can actually connect now because you know um, you might think say well Roxana Marin you know she's a thought leader she's up there she's not reaching but that's not true but on social media you can just send a little message you know Dr Marin what do you think about this yep. you know a lot of people are accessible on social media um, way readily accessible than what it used to be 10 years ago so I think. Maybe there's some downsides to it because you may not really have that much private time anymore to your own. Yeah. <laughs> when having a question, you feel like you need to respond to these questions. But, but it does make um, uh, you know experts more readily available for 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 basically teaching, right? To, to sort of pick on their knowledge. So, so that's useful. If you were to start a Twitter account today, your top three people that you recommend people follow, or people, or journals, or institutions, or organizations, who would you say? will fit in your top three. I can't say that. It's like favoritizing. No, but I, I think know. what you've already said was, was key is um, there are a lot of um, um, accounts been set up for journals, yeah. for sure, conferences, yeah. okay, and each institution typically, like our Banco General Hospital, Banco Coastal Health, they have their own little Twitter feed, uh, Heart and Stroke Foundation, for instance, um, so you can actually follow so many of these key organizations, yeah. TCTMD, for instance, or, you know, CRF, so forth, so uh, these are examples, and also there are a, lo a lot of the key thought leaders in cardiology and interventional cardiology have their own Twitter account, so yeah. I would just Google and search who are, who are of experts in your field that you look up to and search for the Google um, search, search for the Twitter handle and you're gonna find a whole ton to follow so it's easily I mean I think I follow close to a thousand um, Twitter you know uh, people tweet so it's, it's a lot of them are organizations so so we'll Google point. for Twitter handles yes, yes for sure. <laughs> awesome. all right all right Catch new episodes of Clinician Insider on the 15th and 30th of every month. Follow us on Twitter to join the conversation at Clinician Inside, and send us your topic suggestions at clinicianinsider at crf.org. Thanks for listening.